First Samuel chapter one, the 19th verse, hear ye the word of the Lord. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to the house at Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated. The uh, sermon topic for today's message or title for today's message is praying through the pain. Praying through the pain. We uh, are a praying people, are we not? We are not only all a praying people, but we are also in need of prayer. Uh, When there is nothing else that we are able to do regarding a particular situation, when we have run out of funds, when we have run out of family, when we have run out of friends, we know to pray to the Father. When uh, Paris was just attacked by suicide bombers and terrorists, there were people who said to pray for Paris changed their uh, Facebook profile pictures to an overlay of the uh, Parisian flag. And then you had people who got upset about this Pray for Paris movement, and they were mad because they felt like you were praying for Paris, but you weren't praying for Beirut, who had just had suicide bombers the day before. And so then there were people who got mad about that, and then people got mad about that. They say, you may have prayed for Paris and you may have said something about Beirut and then they got mad because you didn't say anything about Kenya which happened a couple months before that and then people began to get mad about that and they said well what about Nigeria and I watched these people sort of devolve into an argument about who you're praying for and when and one of my friends who happens to be a drummer said and I'm paraphrasing he said that the people were irritating him trying to make this whole quote-unquote Paris situation a competition. He said, just pray for everybody and be quiet. The point I'm making is that trials and tribulations come, and when those trials and tribulations come, we need to pray. But not only do we need to pray when those trials and tribulations come, we need to pray all of the time. There's no way you'll be able to cover everything, but if you pray all the time, at least you are doing your part. Amen? Amen. So someone in the text that we just read was experiencing some pain. Uh, 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 the, the, The person that is experiencing this pain is a woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah was heartbroken because Hannah was unable to have children. This was her future she was worried about. She was in pain. Let the church say pain. pain. Uh, she was worried about un- being unable to bear children because at those times that was something that was deemed of value. 
that was something that made, gave a woman value. That is something that gave a man value as well, being able to produce children. They didn't have the same concept as, uh, as we do of immortality and the afterlife and heaven and how those things happen. And so their view during that time of, of getting their inheritance and moving on was being able to have children to pass it on to. So if you were unable to have children, particularly if you were a woman, if something happened to the man that was taking care of you, you were looking at a life of destitution. So she was heartbroken about this pain and not having her children. She was worried because she felt that her future was in jeopardy. Amen? And even though she felt like this, she got some reassurance from her husband, Elkanah. Elkanah told her in the text before I got to the part of your reading, is, am I not more valuable than ten sons? He was trying to comfort her. He was trying to provide her some sort of assistance because in those situations, a natural response would have been to a woman who was unable to produce children to leave her alone. But he still showed his love and devotion for her. You may have people around you that don't care what the situation looks like when you are in pain there'll still be those there that stick to you. Those are valuable people. That is what was going on. And then even though we had this pain and we had somebody here trying to support in the form of Elkanah, though some would argue that this wasn't proper support, he said he was better than what she wanted, but that might not have been proper support. She also had ridicule. Um, the concept of marriage was a little different back then and uh, the, the, the men of those times were allowed to marry more than one wife. And so Elkanah had a second wife by the name of Penina. And Penina was able to bear children. And uh, in verses 6 and 7, it says that she was ridiculing her. Penina was making fun of Hannah. Penina was, was uh, and, and in some translations, they actually used the term rival to describe what she was or adversary. But that's not something that we would normally use in the Hebrew. Uh, the word that they used in, 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 in the text is actually used for enemies. And I find that interesting because when you are going through pain, when you are going through your trials and tribulations, sometimes your biggest detractor is the one who is closest to you. Uh, you might see them every day at work. You might see them every Sunday at church. You might see them every day in your house. But sometimes when we have those painful situations, we'll have people who are close to us that are there to help, and we'll have people who are close to us that may not be that good of a help. But that doesn't change the fact of the situation. We still have to get through it. And so this theme of barrenness and and our so-called barrenness and rivals is, is not new by this time in the text. We're in 1 Samuel, but uh, Sarah and Hagar kind of went through the same thing with Abraham. Amen. And then later on, <clears throat> uh, uh, Rachel and Lee went through sort of the same thing with Jacob. And there's a bad, there, there's a problem with this because there are sometimes in, in both of those situations where somebody will make fun of you about a situation or someone will speak ill of you of a situation and that's bad enough. But what you want to avoid when you are going through the pain and when you are going through these situations and you have people who are supporting you but you have some other people who are not supporting you is they can say whatever they want about you. 
The problem becomes when you begin to think that about yourself. When you get someone's mind, when you, as my mama says all the time, live in somebody's head rent-free, the body is easy to follow. I am surprised every time I see an adult elephant at a zoo or at a circus or in any other place where they have been domesticated because an adult elephant is never changed. An adult elephant, oftentimes when I see these adult elephants, they may have a string tied to them, a little piece of rope tied to them, and sometimes they're tied to something that's not even bolted down. And the reason that they are tied to something that's not even bolted down is because the trainers know that the elephant is not going to run off. They spent so much time training this elephant when they were young by giving it change that it couldn't break, that it did not understand its own strength. And so by the time it got big enough, it had, not, it had been so small, it had been used to being chained up so small in its youth that its mind has said, I can't break this bondage. And so whatever bondage that someone decides to put on me, I will accept. And so you will see that the, 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 these adult elephants are tied together by a post that they could drag off if they really wanted to and they knew how strong they were, but because of their mind. And that is what has happened to Hannah in this, in this process. She is, her mind has begun to believe the stinking thinking. Her mind is beginning to take on this pain. Her mind is beginning to believe that she has no worth to the point that she no longer eats to the point that she weeps openly about this. But we should know that we are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We should not be able to allow people to tell us what we cannot do. Amen. We should be able to think that we are able to do if we serve a God rather that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. We just have to understand that. We cannot allow these painful situations to close up our minds. And, 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 and the text goes on to say uh, uh, further along that God has closed up Hannah's womb. I find that kind of interesting in something in my studies. Uh, God does not say that Hannah's womb is closed. Now we're in the Old Testament now. Uh, in the Old Testament, when God wants to speak, God spoke. God told Abraham to get out of his country. God asked uh, Adam, what are you doing? And asked him, who told you who were naked? When, when God wants to speak in the Old Testament, he comes straight down and speaks. Just because somebody else thinks that your pain has been caused by God doesn't make it true. Just because someone has said that to you, and even if that someone is spiritual, doesn't always mean that God caused the situation. There are other things going at work. There are other things going around. There are people involved in the situation. There are decisions that you can make, so you can always assume that when you are going through a troublesome time, that God actually caused it. 
we all have free will, not just us, but everybody who's outside of this church. And so all of those things working together can bring about situations that are not good, that are painful, but we are still to pray. Why? Because sometimes God finds us in the midst of our despair to let us know that he is not going to leave us there. Uh, uh, the Bible says that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. The Bible says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So we have to understand that just because the situation is painful now doesn't mean it's going to be painful forever. Amen? Amen. And so we have this pain. And from this pain, this situation, we have the promise. Let the church say promise. Promise. Uh, Hannah goes because she is in this pain She goes to the tabernacle and prays to the Lord. If the Lord will give her a son, she will dedicate him to the Lord. Uh, She went to the tabernacle. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. It says, seek the Lord in first. That's Isaiah 55 and 6. And in 1 Chronicles 16 and 11, it says, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. Hannah left the dinner that she was having with her family and presented herself before the Lord. And I find comfort in that because she was setting aside, setting aside rather a man-made tradition in order to be directly with the Lord. See, Elkanah had made a habit out of every year going to Shiloh to worship the Lord. This was not any prescribed holiday. This was just something that he did on his own and it's okay to worship and it's okay to worship on a regular basis but sometimes we can get so caught up in our tradition that we will miss God in that we'll get stuck up on our tradition and what we're doing and the tradition won't necessarily be something that God told us to do but we will hold on to it because that is the way we've always done it that's the way it's always been done. They say that the definition, one definition of insanity, rather, is to do the same thing repeatedly and expect a different result. Here they were going year after year to Shiloh to worship, and nothing was happening. And so Hannah said I just, she decided that she was not going to continue into this same tradition because she was not getting the result that she needed, and she wanted to go have a direct relationship with God. She went directly to the temple. Nothing wrong with tradition. I'm a fan of certain traditions, and certain traditions we need to hold on to, but sometimes we need to break tradition in order to get our breakthrough from God. So that was the promise. She went to the tabernacle to get her promise. So we went through the pain, and because she was in the pain, she went into prayer, and she made a promise. But then there's the protest. Let the church say protest. Protest. Around about uh, uh, 1 Samuel, uh, around about the, still the first chapter, 12 through 14, Hannah is in the church praying. And she is praying so fervently that she's just walking, rocking back and forth, and her mouth is moving and nothing is coming out. You can't hear anything, but you see the movement. And Eli, the priest of the house, says, she must be drunk. So Eli has provided some condemnation. Eli is here trying to take care of the church, and here you have somebody in the church that you think is drunk. You can't stand for that. You got to kick them out. But the response, the proper response, if any, to condemnation is clarification. Come 
Hannah quickly explained that she is not drunk, but praying to the Lord out of great anguish. I was reminded of this text during Laity Sunday when I heard Corey preach, and he talked about his son and all he could do when the things going on with his child was pray in the middle of the hospital bed, that sometimes that's all you can do. And not only do is that all you can do when you pray, sometimes it might look crazy. Yeah, we have all these books on prayer that talk about the different kinds of prayer we can do and how many different points of prayer that we can make. But sometimes when the fire hits you, all you can say is Jesus. And sometimes when the fire hits you even more, you can't even say Jesus. All you can do is groan. We have to pray. And not only do we have to pray, we have to pray consistently. The Bible says in Colossians 4 and 2, continue earnestly in prayer being vigilant with thanksgiving in Philippians 4, 6-7 says to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus the Bible continues to say in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 rejoice always, pray without ceasing in everything give thanks and this is the will of the God in Christ we have to continually pray no matter what the situation is and no matter what anybody does because they may protest against it. They may have a problem against what you're trying to pray for. They may have a problem against what you're doing. They may think you might not have worth, but you have worth. The Bible says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, the thoughts of hope and peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. You have worth. Even if someone tries to protest your worth. So we have the pain. We have the protest. We have the promise. And then we actually have the prayer. So, so, so right along in, in, in the 16th and 17th verse, or I mean the 17th and 18th verse of the first Samuel chapter 1, Eli asked the Lord, now that he understands what's going on, to grant Hannah's request. So Hannah has, during this time that she's been praying through the pain, someone now praying for her as well. I would love to think I got here by myself. I would love to think that I did everything, I got all these degrees and letters I got behind my name and jobs and the type of things I do and where I've gone and how far I've gone. I would love to think I did this on my own. But I have good sense enough to know that I had a praying mama I had a praying grandmother. I had praying family. I had praying pastors. I had people willing to go to the Lord on my behalf when I was too silly to go on by myself. They prayed for me, and that's what you need in these kind of painful situations is somebody else praying for you as well. Uh, the Bible says that a two-four cord is strong, but a three-four cord is not easily broken. When we are together praying together through these painful situations, we are able to work it out. So Hannah was worried about her future. Uh, the people said that her womb was barren, but when God actually decided to go on, she conceived. Her prayer was answered. The story is, is, is points to Hannah's future. She thought her future was in jeopardy, but God stepped in in the right moment and took care of her future. Not only did he take care of Hannah's future, but they used this story to represent Israel's future, the people of God. And so not only does it represent their future, 
but your future. There may be something that you think is barren. There may be something that you think is not going to be born or come to fruition. But just because everybody else said it's barren and just because anybody said that God said it's barren, they may not necessarily have a direct line to him. But when God decides to move, can't nobody else do anything about it. It doesn't matter if there's any kind of ridicule going on. It doesn't matter if the people in charge think you're crazy for the idea. When it comes forth, when God wants it to come forth, it's going to happen. And once that prayer is answered, you need to thank the one who made it possible. So that's what we got to in your reading when it said that she will name him Samuel. Because she asked God for him and he gave it for him. And the word that is often used, I find kind of interesting. I told you I only got one sermon. But one of the words that they used about someone being dedicated to the Lord is a Nazarite. That's a word that they use in Hebrew for somebody who is dedicated to the Lord. So when you pray, you need to thank the one that did it and give it back. But back to that one that was dedicated to the Lord. Samuel was dedicated to the Lord. And then you have this term, Nazarite. Hmm, Nazarite. I I, I think there's a city that kind of sounds like that word, Nazarite. Possibly Nazareth? Huh. um, Into these prayers when we are going through our painful situations, since we call ourselves Christians, we ought to be able to pray through our pain as well, just like Jesus prayed through his pain. And just like he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed, Oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as your will. And so he continued to pray. And then when they put him on the cross, he continued to talk to God and he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And then they went on to divide his garments. But he continued to pray through the pain. And then he prayed through the pain once he reached the end. Because he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Praying through the pain. But I thank God that that is not where the story ends. Because three days later, he rose again with all power in his hand. All the authority had been given to him in the name of the Father. In the name of the Son. And in the name of the Holy Spirit. The doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.